Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Amen. Thank you for standing. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you again, worship team. Powerful. Well, my name is Micaiah. I'm the pastor here at Southridge Church. I am honored, thrilled, and delighted to have each and every one of you here. What a joy and thrill to be together, to worship together. There are so many things that are happening, so much is going on, and I'm just grateful that you would take a minute out of your weekend to be here and uh, just to worship together with God's people. It's going to be a great day. It's already been a fabulous week, and so we're thrilled uh, to be able to share it with you. On Thursday, we had our annual Vision Gala, and every year it just gets better and better and better. Man, it was great, and I want to do a little bit of a recap, but right now I'm going to ask the ushers uh, to take these packets that are prepared, and uh, ushers, would you pass these out to everyone? Uh, if you got one on at the Vision Gallery, you, you can grab another one if you want, or if you don't want it, just have the ushers go on by. But ushers, can you make sure everyone gets a packet? Uh, There's so many reasons why I want you to have this, one of them being because you're going to get a sneak peek at what the building looks like. It's all in this packet. This packet's got everything. Now, this packet is interactive. So uh, even though there's QR codes, you're going to want to scan them and everything like that. And, you know, hang, hang on just a little bit. Don't scan them yet. Uh, we're going to go through this together. But I want to do a recap of Thursday. And I know it might be redundant for some of you, but we'll just kind of go back through it. And uh, on December 21st, our church will be submitting our first application for a building permit this December. And that is huge that we got to that milestone. Can we just celebrate for a second that on this month we file for a building permit? It'll be the first one. You say, why is it the first one? Because it'll go through several rounds of just back and forth. So they call it the first submittal and then we'll have a final. But this is exciting stuff that this is happening. The building's designed, it's ready, and, and it's going. So some of you didn't get to see the building yet. And so I know there's a whole lot of amp, uh, uh, built up uh, excitement around it. And so, uh, Dave, I'm going to keep you busy on the pro presenter. So I know you're up for the challenge, but we'll go one slide at a time. But Dave, you are the man right now. Can you show us the, what our building will look like? It's the next slide. There we go, folks. That is the future church of Southridge. And it's exciting to kind of see it come together. And people have asked, is that a chimney? No, that's not a chimney. That's, that's not, we don't have a chimney. That is the elevator tower. Uh, because there's multiple levels in the building, and we built it into a hillside. And so that is the front face of the building. Uh, I know some people are like, well, where are all the trees and the grass and the parking lot? There are more iterations for the first and middle. We just did what we needed for the county. And we can go to the next picture, Dave, if you don't mind. Side view, it's two buildings. People have asked, why, why does it look mid-century modern instead of the traditional steeple angle? Uh, the county has very particular rules about their building. Uh, any ceiling height over 15 feet, they double count the ceiling. So we angled it and we slanted it so that it would work with the balcony. And so you'll see that we pitched the angles and everything to make uh, the auditorium as big as possible with a high ceiling. And so that's why you're going to see the angles are slammed. Plus, the county also told us what color it could be. I didn't know you don't get to pick the building color. The county tells you that. And then it's slanted because it's supposed to kind of blend it with a hillside. And so that's kind of why it's like that. And some people have also asked, hey, why are you not in the city? It's in the county. Long story, it's in the county and it's a little pocket of the county land, but that's side angle. Let's go to the next picture if you don't mind. Uh, this is just to kind of see it. It looks small and in the first video or the first service, we had a little joke uh, for those Zoolander fans. Um, uh, this reference might come back to an old movie where it's like, is that a building for people or for ants? And it's like, I know it looks small, but yes, this is a large two-story building. It's not tiny. It's not small. It's much bigger. And so it does have a balcony in it and there's tons of room. And so we're super excited about it. I, I, I have more pictures to show you. We'll go to the next one. This is a side view. In between where it has the two 
brown panels, there's the white panel. That actually is solid glass, and there's a door there, and that actually is going to be a playground out there. It looks small, but it'll be a playground for the kids. It'll be completely fenced in and safe from the outside, so that'll be an outdoor playground because where it says Southridge Church on that side, those are classrooms, and underneath is classrooms, above is classrooms. So you'll see that there'll be classrooms that are built into the hillside, so it's really cool to have that kind of a design, and we're playing with the landscape. Next picture, please. Uh, you'll see that there's a back area. This is where in the way into the multi-purpose room, there's an outdoor patio courtyard that's actually uh, really big. It looks small in the pictures, but it's much bigger. And uh, this area is going to be great because as you do overflow, those doors aren't just normal doors. They're actually panels that you push to the side and then it becomes this massive sliding door so it can all be open. So it's this idea of letting the outside in, the inside out. So as we overflow, we have a nice patio. Plus, if you want to get married at this church, there's your outdoor area for the venue. So it's outdoor courtyards because that's the multi-purpose room. Let's go to the next slide. Get a side angle. That is, so the building itself is 35 feet high. That's the building, okay? Just the building. But then you're on a slope. So that building is actually much higher than 35 feet up in the air. Okay, so you're, you're, when you see all the windows on the side, when you're inside the multi-purpose auditorium, you're gonna get this beautiful view above of the valley. So it's gonna be the spectacular view inside. And I know sometimes people ask, well, in an auditorium, do you really want a bunch of windows? What about projection? What about this? Technology nowadays for LED panels is amazing. Plus, they have these incredible things called blackout drapes and curtains. You just push a button in it. And does it all. So windows are great. It lets in natural lighting so it doesn't feel cold and dark. Uh, let's go to the next picture. And then we got one more picture in between the two buildings. And this picture right here I'm excited about. It is the, um, it's kind of in between the two buildings. It's a hallway. If it doesn't pull up, that's fine. It, I thought I had an order. There we go. And so this is in between what will be classrooms on the one hand, and then on the opposite side, that is the auditorium. And so the auditorium has multiple access points. What will be the main auditorium, phase two. There's a bridge that goes into the balcony, or you can come in from the ground floor. It looks tight between the two buildings. It's actually 25 feet wide. So you say 25, what's that? Uh, that's from that wall to the other wall, not the drape, the other wall. And that's about 25 feet. So actually about that drape, that's about 25 feet. So that's about how wide you're talking about in between the two spaces. So it's not this tight area, it's actually a large outdoor patio area. So it's gonna be a great place where it'll be decked out with trees. You'll have a water feature in there, which we're still going back and forth, water feature and kids. Uh, what that typically means is the kids will be in the water feature. They call it a water feature, that means a fountain. And uh, I could just picture my kids. As a matter of fact, I think I could picture some of you adults in the fountain as well. You know, uh, some of you like to have fun, so I can kind of picture you. We may need to rethink that. But then also, uh, Dave, I hate to do this to you. Can you back out one picture? Does it go backwards? Can you go back out one more? Okay, you see on the lower end, there's like that dark brown uh, in between the two buildings. That is not a part of the building. That is actually a gate so we can close off that courtyard, because we're gonna have a daycare in there, so you'll be able to close off that courtyard, so that courtyard, there's no outside access. So we won't come in on a Sunday, pull back that fence, and find an encampment of people who are just sleeping there and showering in our water feature. So it's gonna be safe, it's gonna be great. So when they designed this building, they really thought of it. So now, uh, like I said, Dave is the man. Let's go, let's keep moving forward if we can. Let's go to the next slide. There we go, and here's the inside of the building. So you got a phase one, which is the one on the right, and you got a phase two, which is on the left. Phase one is a 400-seat auditorium, multi-purpose room, so we could do our banquets, funerals, weddings, any type of event that we need to do. That room is just a large, multi-purpose room. That's why it's got lots of windows, because we want more of a, um, a room that if we were to do a vision gala, we could do it there. But it has the outdoor patio, as well as the indoor lobby. And then we have the kitchen. Now, we have made this clear. Uh, that is Bonnie, Kathy, and, Sa and Thelma's kitchen, that's theirs, all right? So that's, they, they, that's their room, so if you want access to that, you gotta talk to them. But that is their uh, kitchen area that we got. We call it a break room, even though it's really a kitchen. If you call it a kitchen on the plans, they charge you a bunch more money. So we're calling it a break room. So you won't be able to have an oven, but you'll have everything else. Then you got two classrooms. Uh, there's lots of glass. In every classroom, you'll see a lot of glass. Even in parts of the auditorium, you see glass. You say, why, is, why would you have glass in your classroom? 
We want to elevate accountability of what's happening in our classrooms. We don't want you to wonder what's happening to my child if they're in a rich kid's classroom. You'll be able to walk by and it'll be solid glass and you'll be able to see everything that's going on in there. We want to elevate accountability. Plus, if you see walls dividing the two classrooms, those are non-load-bearing walls. So as we grow and expand, what is two classrooms, if we need the space, it could be one classroom. Or you can move the wall as needed, and then you've got restrooms there. There is the elevator. I'm pretty pumped about the elevator. That's great. And then you can see that there's a bridge that goes into the balcony of what will be the main auditorium. That main auditorium seats 607. Uh, 607 seats. It actually sits, seats more than that, but for the county, 607 seats. That's what it could fit. And a great balcony area. But what's great about this balcony, sometimes you go into a church and you'll see, why don't more people sit in the balcony? It's hard to get to. This is called a bleacher balcony, which means that if you're on the ground floor, you can get access to the balcony. And uh, so it has more of this center stadium as you walk into it, but this is gonna be great. The ceilings inside this auditorium are 35 feet high. You've got just a beautiful, it's our uh, worship auditorium, but it'll be designed for a performing arts uh, uh, theater. That's what it'll be designed. The stage is a large stage, green room, side rooms wheelchair ramp access and then the next picture you're going to love this picture at least the ladies will love this picture because in the lower left hand of the building it says wrr which is women's restrooms and right there you will count nine toilets for the women and that was only by code needed to be i think five or six and then we bumped it up, we took out a storage closet. So there's a total of 27 toilets on this property. So if you need to get to the restroom and you have, like me, the bladder of a five-year-old, there's tons of restrooms. So there's plenty of restrooms. You won't ever need to worry. So if you're coming out of a service and there's a lot of people and you're like, oh man, the restroom. And then they also gave the ladies, I don't know why they need this, but there's like an area for a couch in their women's restroom. I don't know why we're putting couches in women's restrooms, but apparently this is a good social hangout spot. I don't know what goes on in there, but I now know why they go in groups. I don't know, Angel, they may have an espresso machine back there. Better watch out for your coffee cart. I don't microwaves, refrigerators. They may be having a good old time in the women's restrooms, okay? Because there's plenty of space in there, but it's just a great spot. Uh, office space, classrooms, once again, accordion door between the classrooms. So if you are doing a, an event, you're gonna be able to use a classroom and you just move the door, uh, this accordion door, and you have full access to both. So if we're doing student ministry or if we're doing men's or women's ministry, they have access to this large 1,500 square foot classroom. And this is all gonna be state-of-the-art stuff. Um, when you go to the doors now, you're not gonna grab a handle, you're gonna wave your hand. There's this panel and it looks like a key fob panel. And that's how the door opens. You, you, nowadays, the technology that's into these buildings is going to be so amazing just to see all the latest. Uh, if you, how many of you drive a uh, all-electric vehicle? Can I see your hands? Oh, you guys don't care about the planet. No, just kidding. Uh, you're like, we can't afford it. You're like me. Totally fine. But if you ever get a Tesla or if you ever get an all-electric vehicle, when you come to church, you'll be able to charge it for free because we have to put in 13 charging stations for your electric vehicle or your hybrid. You'll be able to charge it for free. The roof is designed in such a way that it's all solar as well. So this would be a kind of self-contained. And because of the uh, sewage, we're gonna have to do water treatment in the sewage. You wouldn't wanna drink the water, um, but the water will be almost clean enough for you to be able to do it because we have to build in the filtration system. So that is the building in a nutshell, what we've worked on. This is what goes to uh, the county on the 21st. So just pray that we keep having smooth sailing. You say, what about the parking lot? There'll be 205 parking stalls on the property. So lots of parking. Uh, we're also putting in a pad for staff housing. We'll also be on site. Uh, we're looking at building a uh, two house uh, ADU type situation, duplex type situation. So this is going to be a great property. We're excited about what God has in store for us. People have come back and uh, may have questions. Well, I want to look like this. And I think this and, and uh, you know, you know, when it comes to the county, they tell us how high they tell us the dimensions and we just work within that framework. And so you, you may think, well, I want a building to look like this. This will not be our first and last building. This will be our first building, but it won't be our last. We will continue to build buildings to the glory of God. There's more land there. We will buy, we will expand, and we'll keep growing. Amen. I'm excited. God's up to something good. In this booklet, 
It has all the details. Now, if you came to the gala and you were a part of all that happened at the gala, here's what I want you to do. If you have a booklet, I want you to keep one to pray over it. But then I'm also asking you to take one and I want you to find somebody who may not be a part of the church and say, hey, our church is doing something that has not happened in this valley in over 50 years. Would you be a part of it? And on the last page, it has what we're trying to raise and how much it's going to cost. Ten and a half million dollars to build this building. Now, here's the exciting thing. Thursday night. How many of you were there and you heard that we raised $625,000? How many of you heard that? Yeah. That was the wrong amount. Some of you left early. Uh, but the accurate amount that we raised on Thursday was actually $741,000. That's what we raised on Thursday. That's exciting. I'm, I'm thankful. That just blew me away. Now, here's, here's the best part. We still have time to raise money. We have this Sunday and next Sunday. Next Sunday is Kingdom Builder Sunday. And that's why we want you to have this packet. We want you to pray over this commitment card, what God would have you give. And may I say this? There, you'll see we're looking for 1,000 families to commit $10. If you say, that's where God wants me to do, you can do that. I think everybody here can go, yeah, $10, I can do that. I think everybody here could do $100. I believe a lot of us could do that $500, and so on and so forth. But I am praying that God will give us two families that will give a million dollars. Two families. You say, Pastor, why aren't you praying for 10? No, because I think we still need to have a part in this. And what I'm noticing is God is always coming with just exactly what we need. You see, we had enough money in the building fund to pay for all the designs and the plans and everything. It's a million dollars to design the building. We had that in the bank. So a million dollars to design it. We had that. And I believe that's how God's going to take care of this building. One step at a time, we're going to get the funding for it. The septic tank, just the toilets, that's going to cost $500,000. Just that. And it's like, where is that going to come from? And God provides. Here's where we're at year to date with this building. Year to date, we have actually already paid, we already paid off 15% of this building. It's already done. That's huge. That's huge. One and a half million dollars. It's already there. It's already there. That's huge. So we are working and chipping away. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And God's doing it. And it's exciting. We want you to be a part of it. Well, to that end, I want you to um, turn your attention toward the screen. I want to show a video for you this morning if we can. 15 years ago when I drove into this valley, all that I really had to give was myself. You and I weren't married yet. There was no kids. There was no Southridge Church. There was no 106 Mainland Court. I mean, it was, there was nothing. And now, 15 years later, we're able to look back and look at everything God's done. In 2013, God put it on our heart to plant Southridge Church. We traveled deputation. We weren't sure how we're going to pay medical, how we're going to pay the mortgage. Stepped out in faith. And then in January 26, 2014, we launched Southridge Church. And you were always so great at making our home kind of the base of operations and inviting people over, doing our life groups here, Bible studies, just getting the whole church through on events. You know, it gave us beautiful family, beautiful church, home. God was like, hey, you have more that you can give me. And it was like, oh, but that's a big ass right now. And I remember just thinking, God, how am I gonna tell Jane that I think you want us to sell the house that we just finally, everything's exactly how we want it. And then I remember we were driving back from San Diego and I just kind of was like, as we were driving along the five, just telling you, I think God wants us to sell the house. And you were just quiet for a second. And I was like, emotional here. Oh, I'm not gonna say anymore. I'm just gonna leave it there. Yeah. What was going through your mind when it was like, well, when I felt I like that. at first it was obviously hard because I came prepared. <laughs> it was obviously hard because it's my home, yeah. you know. This is the place where I brought Austin home as a baby. I saw him take his first steps, 
the home where I remember there was a period where we couldn't get pregnant. And I just remember going to the garage one, one time and I was like, you know what, get rid of all the stuff. We're not going to get pregnant again. We've already planted the church and I'm happy with just two kids. And that was the same month we found out we're expecting. And we brought Kane home that February 2017. This is where he came home. This is where he learned how to walk, took his first steps. Um, just so many memories. It was, it was hard at the beginning because I was like, wow, God, like you finally, like you gave us this house. Obviously it was all a miracle in the beginning. And now you're asking us to like give it back to you. And so I was just quiet at first, but then as I look back in my Christian life, I, didn't, I always wanted to give my Isaac. And I remember just like writing down in my prayer journal and just saying, God, this is your house to begin with. This was yours, it was never ours. In fact, over the past 10 years, it's always, it was a house church, like literally. And I never wanted it to be in the way where I can't get to the next step. The next thing that God has for me, if I'm not willing, if I'm like clinging on to this. And it took me a little bit of a time to just like process it. And I remember just talking to you and I was like, you know what, this is God's house. And yeah, let's sell it. <laughs> I think back about what the psalmist said, the Lord our God is a sun and shield. No good thing will he withhold from them who walk uprightly. And I think this house has been a reward for our family. God has blessed our church. I think the neighbors, the residents of San Jose, what God has allowed to happen in this home. And it's gonna be hard to say goodbye. There's a part of me that is nervous, scared, and excited of what God's going to do next because God always honors faith and He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. And so we're seeking Him. We gave the money so we could build our church property and let's see what God builds and may this home be the first fruit of building God's home. But there's a phrase in the video that I want to go back to that Jane uses. She says an interesting phrase. She said, I wanted to give my Isaac. Now, I grew up in the church, and some of you did. Maybe not everybody. So when you hear somebody say they wanted to give their Isaac, they kind of be like, well, who's Isaac? And why are we giving him away? And it's based out of Genesis chapter number 22. Because there's a man by the name of Abraham that God had made a promise to in Genesis chapter number 12. You see, Abraham was called to leave a land called Ur to go and find a city whose builder and maker was the Lord. So Abraham takes his wife Sarai and they leave Ur and they say, okay, God, where are we going? God's like, I'll tell you when you get there. Talk about faith. You ever left on a journey and your spouse look over and say, where are we going? Tell you when I get there? It's kind of a nice surprise sometimes. Sometimes it's not. But here we see that Abraham was a man who was living by faith. A man who said, I'm going to pursue God no matter what. And when we come to this moment, it's a faith moment. And Abraham's biggest desire was to have a son. And God finally gives him a son. And then in Genesis chapter number 22, we see that God comes to Abraham and God says to Abraham that, and I'm going to read it and we're going to put it up here on the screen because I think it's so important that we see it. Genesis 
Genesis chapter number 22. If you have a copy of God's word, I'd love for you to turn there. If not, it'll be up here on the screen. But notice if you would, verse number one, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you there. Have you ever wanted something so bad and God gives it to you? And then the very next thing is now you're giving that thing up? That's a big thing. That's what we mean when giving up your Isaac. Because Abraham was given a promise in Genesis chapter number 12 that his descendants, which at the time he had none, were going to be like the stars of the heaven and as the sands of the seashore. Imagine the amount of stars that you block out when you just hold up your thumb into the night sky. You don't just block out stars, you block out galaxies. They say if you tape the tip of your finger, dip it in water, then dip it in sand, there'll be 2,000 grains of sand on the tip of your finger. So then when we hear God say your descendants are going to be like the sand of the seashore, just imagine how many descendants is that. And yet here Abraham is childless and God comes to him and says, hey, you have a promise that you're going to be given all these descendants. You see, Abraham had learned to trust God, but this is bigger. But in verse number three, the Bible says, the next morning, Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering. He set out for the place where God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them walked on together. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the firewood, the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered as they both walked together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me your, even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, the people still use the name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I will swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you've obeyed me. Here we see what it means to give your Isaac. That thing that is most precious, that you're saying, God, the thing I hold most dear, it's yours. I give it to you. I hold nothing back for myself. You see, Abraham had an extraordinary faith. His faith is something that you and I can look at and just be admired. But here in this passage, we see that Abraham, he took a great risk. And I see in this passage that you and I often, we don't understand that faith isn't actually free. It's going to cost you something. We live in a day and age where we want everything to be handed to us, given to us, easy. We don't want things difficult. We want things to come freely. But in this passage, we see that his faith cost him something. We want to see God do great things, but it's going to cost Someone wisely said, if it costs nothing, then it counts for nothing. I heard a pastor say this week, if you think God has a lot for you, then you can expect that God wants a lot from you. To whom much is given, much will be required. 
To the servant, he gave five talents. He expected another five. To the servant, he gave three talents. He expected more. To the servant who gave one talent, he had an expectation. You have gifts, calling, talent. God has great expectations for you. Oh, we like it the other way around, don't we? We like to expect things from God. And we somehow let ourselves off the hook. As if it's only God that is doing, we're doing the waiting on. When God, in fact, is looking at you and saying, I don't care if I gave you one talent or two talents or five talents. I have an expectation of you to take those talents and to multiply it. Because God expects a lot from us. He expects a lot from Southridge Church. We're in a city of a million people. We're in a city that desperately needs to see another church built. You say, why do we need more churches? Why don't you just go get in some warehouse or take one of these churches that has just 12 people left in it? We tried that. We went down that avenue. We've tried all different types of things. But recently, I came across a study done by LifeWay uh, Publishing, and LifeWay did research over 34 different denominations. Not 34 churches, denominations. Last year, 20,000 pastors quit the ministry last year. Some because of finances. Some were fired. Some because of retirement. Some because of morals. But 20,000. Last year, 4,500 churches closed their doors never to reopen. Last year, only 3,000 churches were started to replace, and we don't even just make up for the amount of churches we're losing. We're losing ground. We're losing ground in our culture. You're losing ground with our children. We're losing ground as you watch what's happening in the world. And the church is the last great hope for our country, and yet churches are in retreat where we have said, no, we're going to advance the kingdom of God. We're going to push forward. And if it's just a few, that so be it, because Gideon did a whole lot more with 300 than he did with 30,000. And so you and I, we step back and say, okay, God, this is our moment. This is what we're called to. And it's going to take great faith. And it's exciting to see what God does with faith. And I want you to see this. And we saw it in the passage that faith always wins. The Bible even tells us that faith is the victory. We have victory. It's our faith that brings this victory, that makes the victory possible. Faith is the victory. I want you to see this in the passage. He even says in verse number five, because the servants ask Abraham, they say, uh, he tells the servants, he says this, Abraham told the servants, the boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there. And then he didn't say, I will come back. What does he say? Oh, help me out, church. Help me out. He said, we will come back. Wait a minute. What's he about to do? Sacrifice his son. But his faith says, I know I'm going to win even before I win. I know this is going to work out. My faith in my God is so strong that I know that Isaac's coming down with me. Even if I have to, uh, uh, to give him up, he's going to come back alive. Because after all, what day did they start their journey up Mount Moriah? The third day. The third day is resurrection day. This isn't death day. This is resurrection. So he knew that Isaac, this is a type of Christ, a picture of what's going to happen in the future. So if I slay him, he's coming back down with me. You have to know that you're going to win even before you win. And so you and I, that's the type of faith that wins. That you say, no, God's going to get the victory in this situation. Before I even start, before I even make a pledge in this card that I know God's going to provide. I know God's going to come through. I know God's going to do the miracles. I already know that God's going to provide the $10.5 million who knows he may give us 20 million dollars we build even double the buildings we buy more of the land we do more than we ever thought possible why but we've got to start with at least a dollar you want 20 million start with a dollar start with the little that you have don't worry about what you don't have say God here's what I have and I'm going to be faithful to give that he didn't give somebody else's son he gave his son I also noticed that Abraham was a great man of the east, very wealthy, but we see he chopped his own firewood. You say, what's that mean? He had servants that could chop firewood. I'm telling you this, he didn't chop firewood. But for this, he said, I'm chopping firewood. Hey, for this offering next Sunday, I want to have a piece of it. I'm not going to let somebody else chop my firewood. I'm chopping some firewood. So Jane and I, we, we, we looked at our account and we said, what can we do 
We came up with the number that we could do, and we added a zero to it to make sure we couldn't do it. That's the number we're given. I want to chop some firewood. I'm not going to leave this to somebody else. I'm having my part in the blessing. I'm having my part to say, I'm ready to go. You say, Pastor, you've already sacrificed more. There's always more to sacrifice. Today, people want fire on the altar, but they don't want to ever bring a sacrifice. But they want fire. Oh, man, I want a fire in my life. I want fire in my marriage. I want fire in my friendship. I want fire in my finances. What you bring to God? Where's the sacrifice? I get it. You're bringing to God what you think you can, but God traffics in the impossible, not the possible. Our God will never do what is easy. You've never read this Bible cover to cover and seen God do something easy. He never did anything easy. Your God and my God never did the easy. What's the easy? Let me put a boat for the children of Israel so they can get across the Red Sea. That would have been easy, folks. What did God do? I'm going to part it because that's a God. That's a, that, that's a God flex. That's how God moves. He said, hey, disciples, we got to feed these 5,000. They said 200 penny worth. That's not enough. We, there, there's no grocery store. There's no Lucky's. There's no Costco. There's no Smart and Final. So God's like, okay, bring me what you got. They bring what they have. And God says, hey, watch this. It'd be easy for us to go to the grocery store. Why didn't Jesus just make money so they could go buy it? Because it's a God thing to say, no, let's break it. Let's tear it in half because that doesn't make sense because that's impossible. Because your God doesn't do what's easy. He only does what's impossible. And that's the amazing thing. When your faith gets that God doesn't do what is easy and what you could do, God only does what's impossible. So put yourself in impossible situations. Put yourself in a situation where you say, this is impossible, only God can do it. And we're gonna see what God can do. We sang, we have a testimony. But the reality is, I actually only believe that maybe only a few percentage of you actually have a testimony. Because if you had a real testimony, I think you'd be talking about it a lot more. If you got cured from cancer, you'd be talking about it. If you were barren, couldn't have kids, and God gave you five kids, you'd be talking about it. You were broke, you had no money, and God shows up and he provides a job over an abundance, you're going to talk about it. Your marriage was already signed, the divorce papers, you're already separated, and God puts you both back together, and God divinely rekindles that love relationship, you're going to talk about it. Your kids strung out on drugs, every pill, every addict, everything that they can do, they're on it. And then God miraculously restores them, raises them up, sets them free, gives them freedom from all that mess. You're going to talk about it. So don't come singing. You got a testimony if you ain't got a testimony. How about you put yourself in an impossible situation and then get you a testimony? Now, I'm not saying, okay, pastor, I'm going to go buy me some fentanyl and I'm going to get me an impossible situation because that's that. Be, don't be stupid. But I'm saying, maybe you go to that neighbor and say, man, that neighbor's all my, they're, they're an atheist. I'm scared to talk about Jesus. <laughs> all right, let's, let's say, can you come over for lunch? We'd love to have you over for lunch. Do the impossible. Go for it. That's the faith that wins. You see, Abraham, he had learned something. He had learned that G God is predictable. God is predictable. That God does what's impossible. Here's a better word, that God has a pattern of predictability. That's what the Bible is. It is 66 books of God's predictability. That God has a pattern. What's God's pattern? He always shows up. He doesn't show up when you want him, but he's going to show up. And then he's going to do things the way he wants to do it. So my question is, do you see a pattern? We're talking about weather patterns. We're watching sports and you can see that a game will have a pattern. You can watch the stock market and the stock market has a pattern. The housing market has a pattern. The oceans have a pattern. Everything has a pattern. Everybody has a pattern. Everything has a cycle. And when the pattern gets messed up, we notice, but too often we don't notice there's a pattern. You go to the casino, the casino has a pattern. Not that I would know, but Angel would. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, Angel. I don't think he does, anyway. But they say 
That there's a slot machine that keeps losing, keeps losing, keeps losing. And then there's that one person hovering around just waiting because they know, okay, wait long enough, then I'm going to hit that, 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 that and I'm going to win because they're watching a pattern. They call counting cards a pattern, right? It's cheating. Why don't Christians notice the patterns in the Bible about their God and bet on that pattern that God has a pattern of predictability? Guess what? None of us are starving in this room. And didn't he make a promise that he's never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread? And if you are hungry, we got plenty of donuts around here. But you say, I'm more than just hungry. I need groceries. We'll help you out. But God, he takes care of us. God comes through. There's a pattern. You see, we don't measure God by the size of our goal. We measure our goal by the size of our God. So right now, God is much bigger than $10.5 million. That's nothing to God. My wife was working at Stanford. One person, one person donated $32 million. Just one. Little old lady lives in Menlo Park. I got her address, her phone number. I can't wait to visit her. I got another project. Only a third of what you gave to Stanford. But what I'm saying is there's plenty of money. If he owns the cattle on the thousand hills, this is nothing to God. People come to me, they were like, oh, I can't believe it's going to cost this much or this much. I'm like, I'm not. God's going to come through. I just do my part and God always has the bigger part. I just bring the little. God's not asking me to do all of it. He's just asking me to do a little bit. But here's the thing. We got to move. I'm going to move real quick. A faith that wins. That's what we need. A faith that wins doesn't waste time. In verse number one. We see God comes to him, but notice what happens in verse number three. The next morning, Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him along with his son, Isaac. He didn't wait. How many times do we waste time? We're hoping that we're feeling the Holy Spirit moving to be a part of this. And we're like, man, if I just wait long enough, the car might break down, the stove might break, the refrigerator might break, and I'll need the money to fix that. So I won't won't have the money to give to God. That's why we act in the moment. Some of us, we're, we're, we're hoping time goes by. If you're a father, wouldn't you want to try to delay it as much as possible? Spend every last minute with your son? But he says the next day. And it's not like he doesn't like his son. He loves his son. But a faith that wins doesn't waste time. Notice this. Verse number Three, it says on the third verse number four, on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and we'll come right back. They were going to go farther up the mount. Elevation requires separation. As you go higher, not everybody's going with you. As we go higher, not everybody's going. You want to take everybody, but you can't take everybody. You say, hey, we're going forward. We're going higher. I'm going up this mountain. Not everybody's going. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes you say, I want to bring everybody. If they don't want to go, they don't want to go. But we're moving forward. So don't get worried if somebody else ain't going. We're going. Because elevation requires separation. There's some things we separate as we move forward. Notice this, a faith that doesn't want. Isaac asks his dad, Father, where's the ram? God says, and Abraham says, God will provide. That's Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to the riches in his glory. Mark 11.22, and Jesus having answered, says to them, have the faith of God. Have it. Your faith doesn't want. And then I love this as we close, verse number 9. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar, arranged the wood on it. Then he tied up his son Isaac on it, laid him on the altar on top of the wood, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at the moment, it came down to a moment, the angel showed up. A faith that wins doesn't waver. No man putting his hand on the plow, looking back, is fit for the kingdom. How many times does our faith waver? That's not real faith. That's not a faith that wins. 
A faith that wavers. It's not a faith that wins. His faith never wavered. Think about that. That's the challenge this morning. To have a faith that wins. We don't wait. We don't want. And we don't waver. As we close, I'm going to invite the worship team. Actually, is Edward available? Can he just pad? Is that okay? Thank you. I would love for you to take out this commitment card. I want to go over it. We're not going to turn them in today. But it's amazing to see what God has done thus far. But I've been praying that we would reach a million dollars in this fundraising season. Right now, we're at $741,000, which is incredible. But I am praying that we raise another $260,000. Actually, yeah, another $259,000. I have to leave, actually, in 15 minutes. I have to catch a plane. And I'm meeting with 66 Christian investors. And I'm praying that God will work. I'm praying that God will open up a door. But even in spite of it all, I want to have my part. I'm going to chop some wood. And I'm going to invite you in on chopping wood. And in your booklet, you'll see that those are the families I'm praying for. And I want you to take the card this week, sit down with your significant other, or if it's just you, and say, God, what wood do I need to chop? What do I need to do? What family do you want me to be? And can I tell you, the family that gives a million dollars has just as much value as the family gave $10. It's not the amount. Our church, we have some wealthy people in this church. We treat them all the same. I treat it all the same. It's not about who gives more. It's about who says, God, this is what you laid on my heart, and I'm going to bring it. And so this week, I'm going to ask you to take this card, and I'm going to ask you to pray about what's the amount. God, what would you have me do? God, I want to be a part of doing something historic. I talked to so many pastors in this area, and they said, we have not heard of a church plant buying land, building a building. A real estate agent that sold us this six-acre plot dropped by my office on Tuesday. He walked in. I handed them this booklet, and he looked at the building, and he said, are you kidding me? He said, I never thought you would actually build it. I never thought, I just thought I'd sell you the land. I, I thought that was it. He's like, you have the drawings, the blueprints, you're going to submit. He's like, I've never heard of that. He said, churches are closing and asking me to sell their buildings. And here you are buying land and building a building. Side thought, folks. If you're like, well, why don't we just buy one of those churches? Here's what I want you to know. Or some building. Here's what I want you to know. You wouldn't get six acres. You'd get the land, a little bit of parking lot. That's what you would get. We could afford a building that's about 24,000 square feet, and then you get the parking lot around it. 24,000 square feet is half an acre. Half an acre. God gave us six. That's incredible. Now, the other five and a half is all parking lot. Because I don't know why we all got to drive different cars. (laughs) But we don't like to ride together. We drive separate cars. It's okay, but that's why we need a lot of parking. But I believe that God is going to do something miraculous, and I believe that each and every one of us, we can go 100% participation and say, you know what? Yes, God, I want to have a part in this. And I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to ask you to give your Isaac. I don't know what your Isaac is. You say, I don't know if God's going to show up. Yes, he will. Because we have a faith that wins. Southridge Church is the story of a church that constantly sees the setback and overcomes it to the glory of God. I want to pray, and then I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. But next Sunday is a historic Sunday. I believe God's going to do some big things. And I want you to take that card, take that booklet, and if you've already made your commitment, you're already given your Isaac, praise God for you. Go find somebody else and ask them to give their Isaac so we can do something great for God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our great church. The best is yet to come. There are hundreds and thousands 
still in the city to be reached. And I can't wait to see what great days lie in store. So Father, as we look at the future, we look with eyes filled with faith. And we move on. We press towards that mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. And Lord, give us a faith that does not waste time, a faith that does not want, and a faith that does not waver. Help us to realize we have a faith that always wins. In Jesus' name, I pray that we would win in our marriages, that we would win in our parenting, that we would win in our jobs, that we would win in our communities, that we would win in our influence that we would win in our business endeavors, that we would win in our devotional life, that we would win in our health goals, that we would win in our finances, that we would see a winning hand, that we would continue to see your blessing, your favor and your abundance poured out on the church. People that are looking for jobs, that they would find jobs. People that are looking for promotion, that would find promotion. People that are looking for reconciliation, they would find reconciliation. People that are hurting would find hope and healing, Lord. We pray that you would move in a mighty way, God. Because we believe that we serve a great God and we believe that we are on the winning side. So Father, we look forward to two years from today when we have a ribbon cutting, we walk into this beautiful new building that'll be done, paid off in cash for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Ushers, I'm gonna invite you to the front. Maybe you're ready to give turn in your commitment card you can but if not that's fine you can wait till next week next week is our kingdom builder sunday if this is your first time at southridge we want to welcome you i know i went over a little bit i apologize but we would love for you to stop by if you're a first-time guest in the hotel lobby where our leaders have a gift for you we want to say thank you for being here today so if you take that connect card drop it in there that'd be great well amazing ushers we've prayed would you receive the offering as we prepare to dismiss so ushers you go ahead and receive the offering and then the only announcements I have while the ushers are receiving the offering is this, that on Sunday, yes, it is a Saturday, actually, not Sunday, December 24th is a Saturday. We're doing one Christmas Eve service at five o'clock, and we've got a children's program. We don't want you to miss it. It's going to be a great time. Sunday, December 24th at five o'clock, one service. It's going to be great. We're looking forward to a great time together and celebrating Christmas Eve. So mark your calendars if you can make it. We'd love to have you here. Otherwise... Next Sunday is our Kingdom Builder Sunday, and we're going to see what God's going to do. And I'm praying, and you pray for me, I'll pray for you. And then bring your friends. Let them see that the church, it's not about getting money from them. That's not what it's about. Let them see that there's a church that's building a building for their community. This building's going to outlast us. This building's going to be big. It's going to be great. Amen? Oh, that was weak. Amen? Amen. There we go. I wasn't going to let you out until we got a good amen. All right. Let's stand. We've had a great Sunday. What I'd love for you to do is find somebody you haven't seen in a minute. Greet them. Say hello. God bless you. Have a great week and a Merry Christmas. Take care. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.